It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. And then we get to Sunday's game. I took the entire family. I was so prepared because of this cold weather. It's been chilly the last couple of days. City Field's very hit or miss in terms of the wind. I got a two-year-old. I got a six-year-old. I got my wife. I got my father-in-law. I can't F around. I can't have them freezing their asses off because if they end up in the Piazza Club in the third inning, I'm a bad guy. That's really what it comes down to because then they're in the club while I'm out of here freezing my ass off watching an April baseball game. I feel guilty as hell. So I went to town on hand warmers. I went into CVS and just bulked up on hand warmers. They are magic, man. They are fantastic. When I used to bike every single day to work and I'd bike in the 20s, 30 degree weather, hand warmers were always the thing because they get hot. I also bought electric hand warmers that you can charge. They look like a, a mouse for a computer and just hold them. And they're very, very hot. Plus two met blankets and we bundled up with long johns. So it was like we were going on a ski trip, going to this Met game on Sunday afternoon. And from that standpoint, forget the baseball for a second. Boy, we had a grand slam. Everybody was warm. Everybody was toasty. Everybody had a good time. Nobody was complaining. Nobody was freezing their asses off. It was a major, major win outside the baseball because the ba- the baseball on Sunday absolutely sucked. It just, it did. And before I get to Carrasco, because that's the easy one, Carlos is the easy mark. We'll get to him. How about the missed opportunities this offense had? Oh, my God. It was, it was freaking constant. Braxton Garrett. Is making the start for the Marlins, a lefty out of the bullpen who the Mets saw down in Miami. He makes the spot start. Yeah, they're down 3 nothing. Again, we'll get to Carrasco in a second. Starling Marte scorches a double into the left field corner. They got a runner on second and one out with Lindor and Alonzo coming up. And I've said this a million times. You give up a crooked number in the first inning. You don't have to get it all back the next half inning, but scratch away. So in this case, 3-0 is not 7-0. Go score a run. You score a run, you're back in the game. You come out and score a run at the bottom of the first inning, and it's 3-1. to one. It's like, okay, deep breath, you're in this game. And what happens? Well, first of all, Starling Marte steals third and bangs his neck against the third baseman, Gene Segura. I blame Segura, even though I, I really shouldn't. But you know what? Screw it. I blame Segura, dirty player. So we get a five-minute delay. Checking out Starling's neck. He stays in the game. We all knew what was going to happen. I mean, we, we, all, we all knew he wasn't going to stay in the game for long. But either way, he steals third. We'll get to his injury in a second. Lindor strikes out. Alonzo strikes out. Forget Carrasco giving up the three-run home run. I knew the game was over in the bottom of the first inning. Not the top of the first inning. Because giving up three runs in the first doesn't mean you lost the game. But when you have a runner on second, and then a runner on third with less than two outs, and your two best hitters are up, and neither guy can make effing contact, oh, the, the handwriting's on the freaking wall. 
So it's 3 nothing. They can't score. And here comes Luis Guillorme to play second base. Well, there it is. Marte's done. Now you just a sickening feeling. Marte, who's been very, very good, who you just know is you're waiting for an injury with him. And that's not a knock on him. It's just the reality. You're waiting for the injury on him. And now we got to sweat out this neck issue, which I don't know about you, Pete. He's going on the injured list. And that's just my gut. I think they're going to be cautious with him. They're giving him concussion checks. It's a neck injury. We're not going to see him for a week and a half. I mean, if we're lucky, it will, it'll be a week and a half. You know what I mean? I mean, when, when it comes down to Mets injuries, there's just never any good, you know, it, it, there's never good a good outcome. I guess the only positive is Brett Bade returned to Syracuse. Hey, <laughs> they're not gonna get him in the lineup. <laughs> uh, well, I know, I know. Alvarez, the, the Francisco Alvarez thing is, is was very bothersome to me. I'm well, it was it was good to see him in the lineup. That's for sure. And he was actually a part of the other second frustration of this game, which was the bottom of the second inning. When Canna singles, McNeil doubles, here we go. Second and third, nobody out. Here we go. And Eduardo Escobar, fresh off the heels of his breakout game, strikes out in such a feckless at-bat. I mean, just looked awful not making contact. And Francisco Alvarez was the one freaking guy who actually put bat on ball behind in the count one and two in his first at-bat in the major leagues and dunk the base hit to right to make it a three-to-one game. But again, you're set up first and third. One out, Timmy LaCastro strikes out looking. Tommy Pham grounds out. So even though they got a run, and I give Alvarez major props for that, especially being behind in the count, they leave two more guys on base. They leave another guy in scoring position, and they leave another guy on base who was on third with less than two outs. So even though Alvarez scored one of the guys from third with less than two outs, you set up with McNeil on third and less than two outs, and no one could get him in. Very frustrating. What do they do in the third inning? Get the leadoff man on. What do they do in the fourth inning? They get a one-out double by Eduardo Escobar, a little roller that stayed above, uh, stayed wide of third. Second and third, one out. And again, they can't hit the ball. This time we blame Alvarez. He struck out with second and third, one out. And then LeCastro got robbed on that sinking line drive to left field. Just very, very frustrating. And in the fifth inning, they're set up again, even though they're down in this game six to two by this point. And Escobar comes up, bases loaded. And what does he do? Grounds out. And what was frustrating about the Escobar at bat is he was facing a reliever in Tanner Scott who had not thrown a strike. So Tanner Scott comes into this game as Garrett's an out short of qualifying for a win. Walks McNeil on four pitches, throws ball one to Escobar, and he's hacking. So the one pitch Tanner Scott throws that's close to the strike zone, Escobar jumps on, and now look, he hits a grand slam. It's a different story, but he hits a ground ball to third base. Very, and that's the game. So we could get on Carrasco all day, and I'm about to. Don't worry. But the offense missed so many freaking opportunities in the first five innings of this game. They left eight guys on base, and, well, six of them were in scoring position. Just insane. So many just. And the ones that kill me, here are the ones that kill me. Last thing about this. The Mets are a contact team. 
right? They don't hit a ton of home runs, but they put the bat on the ball for the most part, even though they struck out uh, 12 times in this game, the Sunday game. When you've got a runner on third and less than two outs, all you're asking for is good contact. Like when Lindor came up, the infield was back. They were back. When Escobar came up second and third in the second inning, the infield's back. When LeCastro came up, the, they're giving you a run. And the bread and butter of this team is supposed to be, yeah, we're not going to hit a ton of home runs, but don't worry, we're going to put the bat on the ball. And that killed them on Sunday. Now, is it a different game if they score a run in the first and score an extra run in the second? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it is. I have no idea. Maybe Buck Walter manages it differently. I'm not sure. But obviously the problem was Carrasco. His velocity was sitting in the low 90s. Buck says after the game, the problem is the splitter. It's just not working. Whatever it is, the results suck. Whatever reason it is, it's just not good enough. And the killer to me is when you give up a home run on an 0-2 pitch, that's just as frustrating as it gets. And it was a slider that just hung there. And Brian De La Cruz, of all people, absolutely ripped it. Ripped it. Now, to Carrasco's credit, he pitches a 1-2-3 second. He pitches a 1-2-3 third. He gets through the fourth on that really good-looking double play turned by Lindor to Guillerme. But the fifth inning, when you're just trying to get through it to keep them in the game, he gives up another bomb. It's Garrett Cooper again. So two bombs, he walks three guys, he gets very few swing and misses. It was just a mediocre game by Carlos Carrasco, and of course it's going to bring up the question, which is, are you concerned? His velocity's down, his stuff is not great. We can come up with a million different excuses for this. We heard the pitch clock after the first start. Now we're hearing, well, he's just not throwing a splitter well after the second start. Uh, I'm sure somebody will blame Francisco Alvarez for this. It's all his fault. They were running all over him, except the problem was they weren't running all over him. They were running all over Cookie. When Jazz Chisholm stole two bases in the first inning, there wasn't really much Francisco Alvarez could do. There really wasn't. The one one stolen base you could kind of kill him on is the errant throw in the eighth inning when Segura stole second and Alvarez threw the ball in center field. Obviously, it's an error. And it broke the Mets straight. The Mets had not committed an error until Alvarez threw that ball into center. I'm not overly concerned about that. And I don't think that's the Mets' concern about Alvarez defensively. I don't think it's the run game. I think it's more calling a game, pitch framing, things like that. But Carrasco's got to be better. And two starts in, it's been bad cookie. As Pete said before we started recording, it's his line, cookie looks cooked. Uh, Yeah, that sucks. At some point in time, though, we're literally going to have to see what if Cookie Carrasco cannot right the ship. I mean, how we talk about how much wiggle room does Eduardo Escobar have? Well, this is now uh, the second game in a row, but like he didn't have a great season last year. But how long could you give Cookie Carrasco innings? Like, honestly, how many starts can you give him before you think about, all right, may, maybe we have to do something else? And, I mean, there's no one in the minors that really are exciting, but Dylan Bundy's out there for crying out loud. I would I would disagree about this. I thought he had a good year last year. He went out and made just about every start. He had a lot of up and down starts. Like his ERA ended up right around four, but he had some dominant starts and then he had bad ones, which would bring his ERA up. 
if he gave them 150 innings with a four ERA, I would sign for that every day of the week. And for a guy who's slated to be your fifth starter, forget how much he's making, forget about his resume. If he goes out and made 29 starts and threw 150 innings and pitched to a four ERA, I think that is really good for a fifth starter. I got to tell you, I mean, most fifth starters are not going to give you that. So yeah, but, but, I but thought his year on. last year was good. That's my only disagreement. The, 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 the problem with that is though, we say that he's just, he's the quote unquote fifth starter, but we're, t- we're talking about a, a pitching rotation right now, which is Scherzer, Sanga, Carrasco, Peterson, and McGill. I mean, technically they're kind of all fifth starters. Those last three. Yeah, no, no. I, I agree that the rotation looks different, especially without Verlander and, and definitely Quintana. I mean, if Verlander is there, you almost look at him as your fourth starter. So you probably go up one slot. I'm just saying that those were the expectations we had on him. Like, I'm not expecting Carlos Carrasco to be what he was in 2017. I'm just not. I, I just don't think he's that guy. He's, he's 36 years old. You know, he's he's one of those guys where last year was exactly what I would want from him. He's going to be up and down, but he's going to take the ball every five or six days, and he's going to keep you in the game. In these two starts, he hasn't. Now, how much time would I give him? You're going to give him a lot of time, and here's the reason why you're going to give him a lot of time. They don't have a lot of options. You know, obviously, if Justin Verlander walked through that door tomorrow and David Peterson and Tyler McGill are pitching their ass off, it's a different story. But Jose Budo looking good in Syracuse is not going to change the game all of a sudden. You know, Joey Lucchese pitching five quality innings isn't going to change the game. So I think with Carrasco, it's go out there every five, six days. I just need you to pitch better. I need you to keep them in the game. And he didn't do that today. You know, in the second through the fourth inning, he did. He gave up the three runs in the first, and he kept them in the game. And if the offense had shown any competence, it would be a 3-3 game, or maybe they would have retaken the lead. But the fifth inning was a freaking nightmare. I mean, especially when when you give up a hit to the number nine hitter. I don't, I know we live in the, the DH world now, so the nine hitter is not a pitcher. But John Birdie ain't much better than a pitcher. I'm sorry. Even though he kills the Mets. That was the beginning of the end. And I thought Buck, Buck may have stuck with him too long. I don't think it would have made a difference. Like, once he gives up the home run to Cooper, you probably should get him out of the game. But maybe maybe Buck's thinking at that point, you know what? Screwed anyway. <laughs> but you know what? We're down 6-1. to one. This offense isn't going to come through. Let me just see if I could get him through the fifth inning. And he couldn't because he walked De La Cruz, and then he went to the Gosick. And hats off to the Gosick, in all, in all seriousness. This, what you saw in this game on Sunday, I have to mention this once in a while, as much as it pains me, is one of the benefits of the designated hitter. What I mean by that is, if you have the pitcher hitting, the Gosick is not getting a 10 outs. Because what you would do is, he would get through the fifth inning, maybe get through the sixth inning, and then he would be due to hit. And in the sixth or seventh inning of a game in which you're losing six to two, you're going to pinch hit for the pitcher. You're not going to tap out in a four-run game. You can't. And so you'll send up a pinch hitter. It won't do anything. You're still probably going to lose. And now you got to use two or three more relievers. But because you don't have to worry about that in this world, and I'm being honest, I think this is a benefit that you have. Buck was able to say to Negosik, hey, can you get me to the ninth inning, pal? And he did. Three and a third innings, one run. I mean, he did, he did his job. But I, I've noticed this, obviously, over the last couple of years as a longtime National League fan. If 
the pitcher hit. And you could double switch all day. Eventually, that spot's going to find you. And it's going to find you in an inning or two. You're not going to just let him hit to save your bullpen in a four-run game. You may do that in an eight-run game, but in a six-to-two game, as much as you and I may think the game is over, you can't do that. And we'd be annoyed if he did that, by the way, because we'd be saying, come on, you're giving up on the game. So because of that, you're able to get three and a third from Nagosik, and it saved your bullpen. It really did. The Mets have three more games before they have an off day. You think they wanted to go out and use John Curtis and David Robertson and Drew Smith and Adam Ottavine? No. And Brooks Rod- No. They want to save those guys. And Nagosik did a pretty good job. Three and a third innings, one run. Dennis Santana came in. He wasn't great, but gave him an inning. So the Mets were able, after another subpar performance by Carrasco, at least save their bullpen. Now, the hope is with Max Scherzer pitching Monday, you didn't need to save your bullpen. The hope is Max Scherzer can go out and pitch like a guy who's making $44.5 million. Is he going to? I I can't tell you that. Uh, So the Mets lose. They lose the finale of this series. I'm annoyed because my family's there. I'm annoyed because I got to walk out of the building and explain to both of my sons. Yeah, no, they, they just won the series. I know you weren't there Friday and Saturday, but trust me, they won a couple of games. <laughs> it's funny because you're sitting there saying like, oh, you know, how are we going to rely on Carrasco? He's 36 years old. So what we, we're just going to hope that he pitches, you know, close to what he did last year. And don't worry, we'll wait for Verlander, the 40-year-old, to, to come back and Scherzer, the 39-year-old, tomorrow to, to, to really rely on. Okay, but we'll, hold on. In fairness to that, in fairness <laughs> to that, I, I get what you're saying, and that's a fine way to throw it out there. Verlander won the Cy Young last year. Scherzer had the best ERA of his career last year. So, yeah, they're old, and yeah, it could all backfire on us, and so far it has, but their recent resumes are pretty freaking good. Yeah, I, listen, I, I I do it facetiously, but because I, I I do think that they are really still they have something left of the tank, but it's just a it is kind of a joke when we look at it this way. It's like oh, we got to rely on Carrasco and to get us where where we need to go, and it's just it it, it listen it it's a crapshoot. Listen, this is a whole thing. It's right now. It's a New York motto. It's the Jets way. It's the Mets way. It's let's go for this the old talent and hopefully we could survive. Well, look, it's, it's why, you know, 10 games into the season, the biggest concern you'd have is the rotation. I think in fairness, I, I think that's the biggest concern. I think this offense as frustrating as it can be at times has shown you that it will probably put up similar numbers to what it did last year, which was a top five offense, which was good enough, not in the biggest moments of the year, but overall over 162, they scored enough runs. The biggest concern right now is this rotation. One quick baseball point in general that I have, my dad and I talked about it on Friday on opening day, and then on Sunday, it kind of jumped out at me again. And that is the rule on what it takes to qualify for a win if you're a starting pitcher. You have to pitch five innings to qualify for a win. We now live in a world in which if you go five innings, that's considered a quality start. On Sunday, Braxton Garrett got two outs into the fifth inning, left the game with runners on second and third, but leading the game by a score of five to two. And I got no issue with it. Skip Schumacher took him out. He went to Tanner Scott. Scott made it a little little dangerous, but got through it. And Braxton Garrett can't get a win. 
So the official scorer has to decide who he wants to give the win to. And he gave it to Tanner Scott. Fine. But nowadays with starting pitchers, not going deep into games and the fact that nobody cares about the win, it's been killed as a stat. Shouldn't we end the world of you can't get the win if you don't pitch five innings? I think that world's got to end. Why does, why does Tanner Scott deserve the win more than Braxton Garrett? Because he came out of the bullpen? Like, what the hell's the difference? One guy pitched four and two-thirds. The other guy pitched an inning and a third. And while I'm on it, one last thing about this win thing. The other thing I would do, this is a little bit more extreme, is I'd have every win be decided by the official score. Like, I would not just go by... Were you in the game when your team took the lead, which is the rule other than if you didn't pitch the qualified five innings, I'd make wins an official scores decision. I would guy goes eight scoreless innings, but his team doesn't score many runs, but that team ends up winning in the 10th. Why not get the start of the win guy pitched eight scoreless innings. So I'm sorry. I know that's not a Met related thing. That's a baseball soapbox related thing. Would you go, though, like, let's say your point is go the majority. Like, if a guy goes four innings and then the rest of the bullpen goes an inning each and they win the game, just give it to the guy with the majority innings or the guy that that performed the best. Yeah, it, there's no hard rule on it. I think every game is different. So I think you have to look at the game. I think sometimes you can watch a baseball game and say, hey, that guy deserved the win. So I wouldn't make it a hard and fast rule of who got the most outs necessarily. And, and by the way, if you did that, it's like another fun thing for all of us to debate. You know what I mean? Like, oh, why'd you give this guy the win? That guy deserved the win. The win is a stat now that has died a death. Very few people still look at it. You could call yourself old school all day. It's not looked at the same way. So if you want to kind of help it, if you want to kind of resuscitate the win, letting someone decide who gets the win is probably the fairer way to get a win. So... It's just a baseball idea I have.